podcast where we link trashy movies and arty films, and we are here to say they are not too different. You can have fun watching both. Welcome to our last episode of Spooky Season. To prove that uh, our thesis remains true, we will take this week's final spooky trashy movie and pair it with something relatively arty, but not necessarily spooky. Does this all line up correctly? (laughs) I think this Uh, is a lot of conditional enjoyments. (laughs) So if you like that, you're in the right place. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Nick, remaining so as always. Uh, and with me is my partner and co-host, Aaron. Hi, Aaron. Hi, Nick. How are you enjoying this week's uh, intro? Uh, it's great so far. No notes, except I would like to do it again. And this time, I'll do it, and you don't talk. Nope. One take. That's all we get. We don't have enough tape to go back and record over. <laughs> what year are you from? <laughs> I was born in the 80s. No. <laughs> oh, my. Uh, and You're sp- old. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm okay. Speaking of the 80s and old, our movie this week is neither that much. <laughs> <laughs> Do you see what I mean about maybe I'll just take the reins on this one first? <laughs> uh, I am, of course, talking about 1973's Theater of Blood. <laughs> Obviously. Obviously. <laughs> Pick a movie not from the 80s. It's gonna be Theater of Blood. <laughs> Edward Lionheart truly believed he was the greatest actor of his time. So when these eight professional critics laughed at his work... Lionheart, what the hell do you want here? Classic, Quite insane. It hurt him so deeply... Oh, my God. ...he killed himself. Then a strange thing began to happen. One by one, the critics themselves were murdered. Uh, for those not in the know, this was directed by a guy who I know none of his other work, I don't think, Douglas yeah. Hickox. Yeah. Uh, written by another person I know none of their work, Anthony Greville Bell. Uh, <laughs> but starring uh, some people very close to the world's hearts. We got Vincent Price in the lead as Edward Kendall Sheridan Lionheart. Oh, Christ. Yeah, I forgot about his full name. <laughs> uh, Diana Rigg as Edwina Lionheart. Uh, and we have... Uh, uh, his daughter. Yes, that's his daughter. Uh, and we have a load of critics. The lead critic is played by Ian Hendry as uh, he's Peregrine Devlin. They all have the most amazing names. Yeah, it's so good. It's so great. Uh, so we're just going to go right through the plot of this bad boy. So mm-hmm. spoilers as always. I will say before getting to the spoilers, if you're just curious about this movie, go and check it out. It is just a fun, campy... It's a load of fun. Yeah, rollicking good time. Yes. (laughs) It is almost impossible to catch your breath on how campy and fun this movie is. Vincent Price just like... Oh, absolutely mashing the scenery. Oh, just... Yeah. It's so great. I love it so much. And, like, this is coming from somebody who, like, I don't know a ton of Vincent Price, but the things that I know him from, it's just like, hey, it's Vincent Price. Yeah, there you go. I know my Tinglers and my uh, Batman 1966. (laughs) Is the Tingler camp, per se? It's... uh, Feels like it's approaching that, but it's serious about itself. Yeah. I don't know if it was meant to be serious or... I don't know. Yeah, well, let's... Yeah. Leave the tingler to another time and talk about Theater of Blood's plot. Mm-hmm. Uh, because this kind of just goes through a bunch of flashbacks, I'll go through it in order of, oh, of yes. events. Um, so, Edwin Light. Nope, that's not his name. Edward Lionheart uh, is uh, humiliated by the members of the Theater Critics Guild at an award ceremony where he thinks he was supposed to be the one winning the Great Actor Award. Yeah, Best of Actor the year. of the Year. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, so the Shakespearean actor uh, is seen committing suicide by diving into the Thames River from a very great height. It is a surprising stunt to watch. Yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, he survives and is rescued by a group of purple drink chugging vagrants who are credited as the meth drinkers. Yeah. So they're chugging amphetamine, I guess. They've somehow <laughs> liquidized I meth. mean, they got a go-to... Go get them attitude, so I mean... They've got a scientist on the payroll, yeah. apparently, because, yeah, just purple drink at all times. <laughs> so, uh, 
Ed, uh, Edward Lionheart kind of just takes them under his wing and they become his, like, cadre, his little team. Yeah, he becomes he keeps... the leader of the vagrants. Yep, but everybody just assumes Edward Lionheart is dead. Yes. So two years later, and this is where the movie actually starts, everything I've just described is in a flashback later on. Uh, this is starting on the Ides of March, so a good time to start. Uh, Lionheart sets out to exact vengeance against the critics who failed to acclaim his genius, uh, according to him, killing them one by one in ways very similar to murder scenes in the season of Shakespeare's plays that he last performed. And Edward Lionheart's whole deal is that he won't do anything but Shakespeare. Yes. Absolutely refuses. Uh, he feels that that's where his genius lies, is yep. in interpreting the works of the bard. Anything else would water him down. Mm-hmm. So, yep. <laughs> One one mind on that. Uh, and, but before each murder, and here is where the like, mwah, comes in. He uh, recites the critic's damning review of his performance and often a, a monologue from the play itself that he's doing. Yeah, and he'll sometimes like cleverly intertwine them, mm-hmm. which is very good. It's a very good time. His genius lies in doing this, quite yes, honestly. Really. He shouldn't have been an actor. He should be a professional vengeance taker. Pretty much is. It's a yeah, short actually, career, but it's... <laughs> But my God, the heights he reaches. <laughs> He's, it's killer. Uh... Uh, so let's go through these murders, shall we? Oh, let's. So starting off with uh, George Maxwell, he is repeatedly stabbed by the mob of uh, meth drinkers mm-hmm. uh, in a like in the back. yep in a rundown uh, apartment building, which is uh, suggested by the murder of Caesar and Julius Caesar. Uh, and this, this is on, is on the Ides of March. Yep. yep. Uh, the second is the greatly named Hector Snipe. <laughs> yes, I think critic. probably my favorite name of the critics. It's great. Uh, he is stabbed through with a spear and his body is dragged away behind a horse to appear at George Maxwell's funeral. Uh, oh, yeah. He's tied to the horse's tail, so he gets real smushed up. He is, yeah. Uh, his body does not make it there in one piece. Yep. Uh, it, this replicates the murder of Hector in Troilus and Cressida, which I don't know that play myself. Is about the Trojan War? Sure. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. There's a horse there, so I buy Sure. It. Uh, the third, also a great name, is Horace Sprout. Horace Sprout. He is decapitated in his sleep, as was, uh, and here I'm already forgetting how to pronounce the names, Cloton? 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 Yeah. In uh, Cymbeline. The right. play Cymbeline. Uh, the fourth credit, credit, hmm, the fourth critic. There you go, possibly. Uh, it's Trevor Dickman. Uh, he has his heart cut out by Shylock in The Merchant of Venice. The, I almost said Vengeance. That's it. <laughs> oh. The play, in this case, being rewritten so that Antonio is forced to repay his debt with a pound of flesh, which he gets out of in The Merchant of Venice. Yes, so. they like, yeah, he doesn't have to go through with it in the actual play, and they tweaked the text yeah. in, this, in this case. To Fun little rewrite. Take that shit out of him. Then we get the fifth is Oliver Larding. He is drowned in a barrel of wine, as is the Duke of Clarence and Richard III. Uh, we get Romeo and Juliet, where uh, this one is a little bit different. Lionheart yes. lures uh, Peregrine Devlin to a fencing gymnasium. And Devlin is kind of like the most level-headed, least mm. bitchy critic. Yes. And is just, like is almost like He's the, the de facto cartoon. leader. Yes. Yeah. He doesn't have a name like Hector Snipe, <laughs> let's just, let's say. His name is Peregrine Devlin, but still. Yeah. yeah, so so uh, Edward finds him at his fencing club. Yes, and they reenact the uh, fencing, the sword fight from Romeo and Juliet between Tybalt and uh, Romeo or Mercutio, depending which Mercutio, way you look at it. Mercutio, I think, right? Yeah. Well, well fighting, yeah, I guess so, it, yeah. yeah. But he decides not to kill him at this juncture. He's really just wanting to put the fear of uh, fear of it in him more than anything. <laughs> fear of Edward. The sixth critic, Solomon Saltry, is an obsessively jealous man. He murders his wife, believing her to be unfaithful, as portrayed in Othello. So Lionheart just kind of convinces him that that's what's going on here. That's one of the crazier murders mm. to me because he's like he's disguised himself as like a you know, chiropractor yeah. kind of thing, and he's going and like working on this guy's wife's back. And of course, he, she's making these like uh, noises as he's doing it, and like the guy comes home early yeah. and and finds them presumably in bed yeah, yeah like it looks like they are yeah. having an affair and he's but he doesn't go after the guy yeah and like edward kind of moves aside and then whispers in in this guy's ear like i'm not even the first one and like leaves like the guy doesn't doesn't try to kill him at all but earlier the only hint of this is earlier they're like talking about how like oh the critics should stay home there's all these murders and this guy like pops in and is like you better have to stay home with my awful wife yeah he really 
He's just like, but I'd have to speak to my horrible wife if I stayed at home. Like, okay, uh, make up your mind, okay? Uh, so he is going to presumably go to jail for life because the police watch him kill yeah. uh, his wife. So this is a real, like, you laid out the... He's been working as a chiropractor for months at this yeah, point. Yeah, he has like, done the groundwork. Uh, yeah, so that's a good time. Yeah. Uh, so although, the, although this critic survives... It's speculated that because of his age, he'll die in prison. So it's yeah. one of those fate worse like than death, murder. maybe kind yeah. of things. Uh, the seventh critic is Miss Chloe Moon. She is electrocuted to replicate the burning of Joan of Arc in Henry VI, Part One. Uh, the eighth critic, Meredith Miradou, is uh, a gourmand, and he is force-fed pies made from the flesh of his two toy poodles. So that's to reflect the death of Queen Tamora in Titus Andronicus, who has fed her children in a pie. Yeah. Grim shit. Very grim shit. And throughout all of this, uh, Lionheart's assistant is a person who is just referred to as the stage manager. Stage manager, yeah. Uh, with yeah. Like a they big... kind of round up the, the yeah. you know, meth drinkers <laughs> and they, like, keep calm on the set yeah. and, like, clearly organizing behind the scenes so that these critics can, like, come face to face with <laughs> Edward. And the stage manager is, like, working behind the scenes to yeah. set everything up. And like, she, literally behind the scenes, not, like, the mastermind. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's Diana Rigg in uh, a big, huge mustache and wig combo. I am very embarrassed to say that oh. I did not realize the stage manager was, A, a woman, or B, <laughs> Diana Rigg, yeah. until, like, the reveal at the end. Which is so funny because, and same, it's yeah. especially funny because... It's clearly shown that Diana Rigg knows that her father is alive and that yes. she's working with him to kill the critics. And yeah. I'm just like, where'd that stage manager go? He's never in the same Who's room. that person? <laughs> yeah. And she's not disguising her voice that much. She's but pitching she it down a little and yeah. that's it. And honestly, people just looked like that in 1973. Yeah. So whatever. Yeah. yeah. Big, huge uh, Huge uh, sunglasses. sunglasses at all times. Yep. Yeah. Big fake mustache. Yeah. Great. So for all of these, for each of these murders, Lionheart is giving like an insanely hammy uh, oh. reading of the review or yes. one of the monologues. And the costuming is hilarious. A lot of them take place in uh, at a dilapidated theater that they rented out. This is their like base of evil operations yeah. where they plan the murders. And sometimes they pull, like they take critics back to the theater. They get them yeah. there under false pretenses and then they set them up to be murdered as part of the play, <laughs> like on stage. Yeah. yeah. So through the course of the plot uh edwina is arrested as the prime suspect in the murders forcing lineheart to reveal himself to devlin this is one of those like oh he left devlin right. alive and now it's coming back to to bite him in the butt yeah uh lineheart tells devlin to give him the award for best actor or to be killed this is like we're in the final critic murder scene yeah last uh, one left yeah and he's like you if you give it to me i'll let you go you'll be okay uh, and Devlin refuses. He won't do it. He has principles. Yeah, it's got a real, like, give me the security codes to the bomb, yeah. like that kind of thing. He's like, I won't do it. Except there's no harm in giving me the no award stakes. because it's not even real. They don't even have an award. Like, yeah. it's not, I don't know. They do have an award there. It's well, the one... yeah, it's, a, it's like a replica. Like he... No, you know, oh, I think no, it that's is right. the real he... award because yeah. he, early in the movie... Um... When he commits suicide, quote unquote, he grabs it. He like crashes their after party, yeah. grabs it and leaps into the Thames. But not before giving the Hamlet to be or not to be. Yeah, that's right. Which is yeah. great. It's a good time. Uh, Devlin refuses uh, to give him the trophy, so Lionheart plans to put out his eyes with red-hot daggers, as with Gloucester in uh, King Lear. Yeah. Uh, but, heart-pounding, uh, heart-in-your-throat suspense, the uh, the daggers get stuck. It's on a, like a oh, yeah. insanely complex pulley They have this contraption. real... <laughs> I'm trying to... I want to say Myers-Briggs. That's Rube not Goldberg, right. Rube Goldberg machine where, like, you slice open a, a weight like a bag of sand and yeah. it'll slowly you know release the daggers into his eyes but it gets caught on the arm of the the like hamlet figurine yeah, that they have standy. backstage yeah it's yeah, great dun, dun, dun. <laughs> uh, so the police arrive just before the stabbing the eye stabbing and save him yeah. so one critic makes it out alive yeah. uh, but then Lionheart wants to go out in a blaze of glory he sets the theater on fire and yeah it's like that theater is really on fire they, they torched a bunch of it they set the shit out of that theater on fire yeah. Uh, in the confusion, one of the meth drinkers kills Edwina by hitting her in the head with the award. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and this is like, 
I guess it's a sweet moment. That's what I want to say. Uh, father and daughter have a, a, a goodbye scene where she's reciting the role of Cordelia, yeah. Lear's youngest daughter, and Lionheart is saying Lear's lines. Uh, but she dies. Yep. And Lionheart retreats, carrying her body to the roof, and is delivering Lear's final monologue. But he doesn't finish it because the roof caves in and he <laughs> falls into a fire and dies. Yep. And uh, that's Theater of Blood, and it it rules. It's it so is much fun. Such a ride. Yeah. <laughs> when, whenever this movie could turn it up to eleven, it does. Yeah. Like it refuses to back down from any moment that could be like, oh, they did it. But still, not in an over to the top way. It still feels relatively <laughs> subdued in the like we are working in a limited bread budget British cinema. That's in the true. 70s. Like we still have to conform to the laws of physics. Mm-hmm. But yes. Yeah. There's not beyond practical effects. There is not a special effect in in the mix. Yeah. So true. There's, yeah. Yeah. If if there were like. It's if a genuinely crazed person had an accomplice, they, they could do this. They yeah. could make this work. Yep. And a team of bandits or yeah. Uh, hobos. Yeah. Bandits, bandits hobos. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. I think you're an old Vagrants. west terminology. I am. <laughs> Update. Meth drinkers. A posse. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's bananas. And Vincent Price. I have to say, we love Vincent Price on this podcast. Yes. This is he's a he's dear to our hearts. Um. He's very good. Oh, he is amazing. Like, like it, the his his to be or not to be is genuinely like it is. It's shot in this flashback where he's crashed the after party because yeah. he's been like they didn't give me the award. What the and he's like that's he's he's lost his mind. Yeah, because he was expecting to win this award, and it's you know his entire like life <laughs> hinges on it. It's shot from. From the inside. Yeah, from their little penthouse. Yeah. And he's grabbed the statuette and wandered out onto the balcony. They don't know he's going to jump, so they're just kind of laughing. But it's shot from inside the penthouse, and it's following him as he's kind of staggering window across to window. the balcony. Yeah. yeah, and like what, you know, they're inside, they're kind of laughing at him. But he's just delivering this like spectacular monologue. Yeah. And it's very hard to, like I worked in Shakespeare companies for a while, and it's very hard to deliver those famous monologues effectively because everyone knows them yeah, and is, like, knows what's coming and so you have to come up with something fresh but not weird. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, to make really, it land emotionally. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. And it really does. It and does. every single monologue or, or speech or whatever that he gets in otherwise is very like you're scared of him mm-hmm. and you're like, man, this guy's off his fucking rocker. But he... He believes so hard that he is the best af- actor that it, he kind of is. Yeah, like just through sheer force of will, you're like, okay, you have a presence. Yeah, he's spectacular <laughs> to watch. Yeah. yeah, and it's all aided by like, it is such everything is quite grounded beyond the names. Beyond, yes, like yeah. it's just like, oh yeah, this is an apartment in the '70s. All this stuff, and then you go to the theater, and it's like this old gothic place with these yeah, insane the tapestries. Curtains. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, and the backstage thing of like, there's just a jumble of like time periods, and dust is all over everything. And there is like. I don't know what any of the accents are supposed to be, but Vincent Price is doing <laughs> accents constantly. He's in disguises. Yeah, he, so many disguises. He, the way he gets introduced is he rips off a mustache to reveal his real his mustache. Own mustache. <laughs> That's right. So funny. He's one of the like the the guy who gets stabbed to death, a la Julius Caesar. Yeah. There's two constables that like go with him to this this ancient like apartment building, and there it's, it's Diana, Diana Riggs and Vincent Price. Yeah. Uh, Riggs. What Rick. am I saying? Rick. Pardon. Yeah. And yeah, so as he's this guy is bleeding out on the floor, he's like, you know, please help me. And the hat comes off, and then the wig comes off, and then he rips off the mustache. But there's another mustache underneath. <laughs> It's so. It's just the the glee that he does it with is wah. He and uh, the the dying critic looks up to him and he says like I thought you were dead and he's like No, I am fine. I think you'll find it's you who is dead yeah. or something. That's <laughs> just so great. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's he is a delivery machine. Oh you my love god, to watch it and like. 
even the times where he's not dressed up as somebody or something, he's just like wearing capes around yeah. <laughs> and he's that bitch. It's so fucking great. Uh. Everybody else is just going about their day and he's yes. just like holding a skull with a cape, like jumping through rooms like the fan of the opera. Like you know he if he had thought of it, he would have one of the meth drinkers carry him around with or a guy follow him around with a fan to like blow his hair back. A spotlight. Just, totally. Yeah. Yeah. He, they do have a sound machine that they use yes, for like that's right to generate a applause in yeah. this theater. <laughs> so You great. have to. It sounds weird otherwise. Yeah, you have to have, yeah, you gotta have that feedback or it yeah. feels like it went wrong. That you know? dialogue with yeah. the audience. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, so it's great. Like, genuinely, anyone who likes Shakespeare even a little bit should absolutely watch this just yeah. for the fun of it. I feel like this is like a great Venn diagram thing of like, if you like <laughs> campy horror, yeah. if you like Vincent Price, and if you like Shakespeare and taking the piss out of it. Uh, Yeah, Yeah. like the the culture of Shakespeare where people are very, yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you like any one of those things, you will really enjoy this movie. Totally, yes. So let's uh, talk a little bit about Vincent Price, shall we? Let's do. I, I was trying to remember the first time I encountered him, Mm. and it's one of two things. Sure. He did a voiceover for a local, it's not a horror, but like local kids show from where I grew up. What? Uh, as the like the opening titles and it's just like oh. two or three lines it's okay. like the uh, I wrote it down I was like I'll remember it and I deleted it <laughs> no you won't uh, <laughs> it's like the terrifying house of Dr. Frankenstein or something oh, like sure. that and it only ran for like three years but it was in like syndicated ads as I was growing up all the time okay uh, so there's that but he's Egghead in yeah. 1966 <laughs> right. Batman yeah. which talk about a delivery machine he's oh. just Mwah. he's a bad guy whose whole deal is he likes eggs His, yeah he's got a bald, <laughs> bald head and he likes eggs he has a yellow and white suit yeah which I is... genuinely can't remember what his plot is yeah, me either. He yeah. just... Uh, it's just he, I not know, a theme. He's, like, over six feet tall, and he rides, like, oh, a, huge, yeah. a very small pony where his feet drag on the ground around <laughs> in Batman. It's great. Um, <laughs> I mean, thriller, definitely, for me. Like, right? The, that's, that's probably that's, what it is, yeah. yeah. And that, like, if you, if you don't recognize that voice... Even if not the face, yeah. like then you did not listen. To it's it. probably the most lasting thing he did is thriller. Like that's. I feel like I would yeah. say yeah that the most people had access to. Yeah, so we get introduced to him by taking off the mustache in this, yeah. which is so great. But I just wanted to read my favorite quote from this movie. Uh, oh, I know exactly. You know what, what it's going to be. He's reading back one of the reviews yes. of, a, of a performance. Is it Hector Snipe? I believe so, yeah. yes. Uh, so this is, I will not attempt a Vincent Price because it's impossible. Nope, no, but just the actual review is so great. Mr. Lionheart's rendering of the role can only be described as villainous, laid between the delicately underplayed performances of Miss Liddy White as Lavinia and Miss Mole as Tamara. One is irresistibly reminded of a ham sandwich. He just (laughs) devours that line. The absolute (sighs) disgust that he says the words ham sandwich. You'll never find a better delivery Uh, of any two words in the English language. It is. Oh, it's just, it warms my heart. Like, as the scene is coming up, I can feel myself get excited. Uh, Love it. Ham sandwich. (laughs) He loves it. Uh, Just so mustache twirly. It's Mm -hmm. great. And I mean, it must be said, too, these are very good writers. All of yeah. the critics are very good writers. Yeah. They have a way with, like, you know, words, their, their turns of phrase. Very memorable. Bon mots and such. Yes, but <laughs> I do love that Hector and Snipe are both words for, like, badgering someone. Oh, Hector is? I don't know. Yeah, that. you can Hector somebody. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sniping I'll at them. Burn on everybody named Hector, I guess. <laughs> Suck it, Hectors. <laughs> Apologies to the Hectors in our audience. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone's used that name since 1840. I was going to say, Hector Berlioz is the last one yeah. I can think of. There you go. Uh, and he was insane. He was. Man, there should, we, they should just do a biopic of his so that oh, we can do that on this podcast. Great. Just look up Hector Berlioz train dress <laughs> if you don't know anything about him. Start there. Start there. Yeah, that's a good place to start. Yeah. Uh, so this performance by Vincent Price, this is one of those things of like, I only learned about this after I saw Theater Blood for the first time. This is kind of regarded as an autobiographical performance for Price because oh. he's known as a hammy overactor. Oh, sure. And it's like, that's just in part because of the, the scripts he got. And it, all that's that the material. Yeah. Um, but he spent his whole life wanting to do Shakespeare on stage to star in it and he never really got the chance. Oh. 
Yeah. Well, so, now I'm sad. But that's why he like this is his favorite movie he's ever done by far. Oh, he I'm says not there's surprised. no comparison. Yeah. Because it fit the thing of like he got to do what he wanted to all the time. He got to lean into all of his choices and he got to actually like emotionally emote and deliver these these performances yeah, that he you don't to. doubt what his character is about oh for a God. fucking second yeah wow yeah it's I great mean, like he's really oh now i'm pissed that we have no vincent price like he would be a really good iago you know oh my god yeah he would be so amazing as that but yeah. there's this weird thing where he they tried to make him a like a like hero a in some, sing, some things like the first uh adaptation i think of uh i am legend is starring Vincent Price as the I Am Legend guy. Oh, the, I the main character. remember this, sure. I think it's Last Man on Earth is what it's called, I think. Okay. Uh, but, like, he, that's not a role for him. It's not exactly... <laughs> it's he's, no good. He's way, he's way too interesting to play, like, hero-leading men. Yeah. You know? Way too cool. You have to... Yeah. You just need to find ways to deliver scenery into his mouth. Yeah. That's just... <laughs> just shovel it right in yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's that's okay. one of those things that, like, it's... In a way, a little sad because you're like, oh, what could have been with I this know. performances? But it's also, ooh, excuse me, it's also like, oh, this is so perfect. Like, there's no way you could marry a performance to an actor more perfectly than this. That's true. Yeah. Like, yeah, if you're gonna do Shakespeare, it has to be this demented yeah. for him, right? And yeah. like, I've only we've seen like maybe at most a dozen of his movies, right? That's at really most, yeah. pushing it. Yeah. And like, they're. They're bad movies, but he doesn't give a bad performance. No. It's always in, great watching At him. no time does yeah. he. Yeah. Honestly, I know we laugh, but like, I like The Tingler. Oh, The Tingler's I think fun. It's good. Yeah. yeah. Get tingled. <laughs> How dare you? And just some other fun facts. I didn't know this. He was an author and a lecturer on art history. Uh, that's oh. what he did all of his degrees in. He went to Yale for art history. Oh, maybe I did yeah. know this because doesn't his daughter also, like, she's an artist, isn't she? Victoria Price? I believe Price? so, yeah. Which I love, yeah. Yeah. I don't we got a real, like, Edward Edwina <laughs> Victoria thing here going on. Yeah. Uh, he also was a gourmand himself and authored several cookbooks. Uh, so yes, we should that's pick up right. some of those. Yes. As we know, he was the voiceover and thriller. He also recorded a bunch of his own albums that he... Oh, like, right, sure. Did lots of covers. I don't think any originals, but he does his own cover of the Monster Mash, which, <gasps> why isn't that the main one we all listen to? Yes. Uh, yeah. I want an answer. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm oh. asking you. <laughs> I come to in, you for the answers. I'm not in charge of the Monster Mash. <laughs> You're my... <laughs> that, oh, no, that is true. That's under my department. That's your purview. Yeah. Uh, but here's, like, just some fast history on him. He... This is one of those, like, it's never too late for anybody. He became... He began his, like, young adult life as a... Not a hardcore, but... He admits to being an anti-Semite back uh, in the day. Oh, what? Uh, okay, well, he, now I'm turning around on him. Mm, wait for it, though. He initially admired Hitler for what he was doing for Germany. Oh this is god. in the 1920s. Oh, my god. Come 1930s, he meets Dorothy Park and Lillian Hellman, both famous authors at the time, in the early 1930s, who basically beat his ass into submission for being like, you're a moron if you think this. I hate you. And But he's like, but you're so smart. How can you hate me? I also like smart things. And he was like, wait a second. Hold on. I'm... As wrong as a human could possibly be. Okay. Uh, and he turned it around. He became uh, so proudly anti-fascist that he was blacklisted under McCarthyism. Oh, uh, shit. And he that. just basically, he wasn't, like, starving, but he had a family to support. Yeah. So he signed the, like, um, he didn't name names, I don't think, but he signed the, like, I am not a communist secret oath thing. Right. In order to get back into movies. And this is what like, kneecapped as a career forever, is he didn't get any good roles because he had to just disappear for, like, seven or eight years in the middle of what would have been his big breaking his, time. Yeah, his peak times. So yeah, so he winds up working with Roger Corman because that's who will pay him. He'll pay anybody. <laughs> Wait, okay, so he, he said he, like, disavowed, you know... <laughs> quote unquote communism yeah. not that McCarthy's quote unquote socialism yeah. yeah but he still had to fuck off and he fucked could... off for lo as long as he could fuck off for and then he was like I can't support this anymore oh, I hey see. I see. FBI I see. can I sign away my principles I gotcha okay <laughs> I need right. to eat please. to feed my family yeah, yeah. Uh, later in life, like from that point on, he was like, okay, if they're going to be really mean to me about, uh, me being an anti-fascist, then I'm just going to go all in on civil rights. Uh, he was incredibly outspoken and supportive in gay rights and the civil rights movements through the sixties. Um, huge, 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 huge propo proponent for it. He lost a ton of work because of it. Uh, but he, that's one thing that he would not give up on and just like through his whole life. 
Nice. Yeah. Okay. All right. You, the bottom fell out there for a second, but then I came back around. I can like, to me, that's just like, oh, you were an 18 year old white cis man in the twenties. Like you, no one challenged you on anything. Yeah. Yeah. And also incredibly affluent family. They invented, uh, I believe baking soda. Are you uh, fucking with me? It's either baking soda or baking powder. They invented like the kind that everybody uses today. The magic magic baking powder, I think. Did we is? literally have that? Yeah, that's that's Vincent Price's dad what? made that. Okay. Well <laughs> yeah, so. I feel like I'm an adult. I'm sorry, now. I'm very delete on that. <laughs> Start with the baking soda. <laughs> Always start Okay. All right. So huh. you come oh, with that a background. Bit of Vincent Price in every one of my pies. <laughs> uh. As long as there's no poodle. Oh, uh. <laughs> And you already said the thing that, like, huh. I wanted to mention specifically. He's supposed to be an over-the-top bad actor in this, and he, like, is at times. But he's he does just have such an amazing presence. He's it's so like, good. And it's, it like, he just, he gets what he's saying. Like, the, the Shakespeare thing of, like, it's hard to parse yeah. sometimes because it's not in contemporary language. But, like, he, he gets it and he connects with it emotionally. And there's that spark of meanness mm. In the characters that he has chosen to portray. That's very true, yeah. That's just like... And I feel like that's why that Hamlet monologue sticks out to me, is he's just so, like, broken and lost, and you can just feel the bottom coming out of his life. Yeah. And at, like, at that time. It's not even a thing. I remember watching this the first time, and he was like, oh, he faked his death. No, he tried to kill himself. He actually... That's what I didn't get. Yeah. Like, I thought... For uh, when I first watched this, that he set it up with this like two or three year long plot yeah. in mind. No, not at all. Like his daughter genuinely thought he died, and I feel like that might explain a lot of like why she's totally okay. Yeah, murdering the hell out of these critics is like she is absolutely broken. Like she's oh traumatized. Like her her dad committed suicide in front of her, and she saw her and her dad's her clearly her hero. Yeah, like, that is. You only get the, like, two-minute scene with them in the flashback, but you get that pretty obviously. Yeah. And she is faced with, like, she is muttering under her breath about the, at the critics, just like, you murderers, look what you've done. Yeah. And she's yeah. not lashing out at anybody, but she's just, like, totally. so mad. Yeah. She she has nowhere to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I get it. If yeah. you genuinely, like, he tried, and then he's like, no, I'm a ghost now. <laughs> I can do whatever I want. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, I... I could see taking advantage of that. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Got to take the advantages where you can get them. Yes. Um, the the reason I wanted to mention that though is because I I had the like I feel like you understand it more than me. Like knowing that he's getting the meter right and the timing of mm. uh, and knowing where to put his inflection and all that. And I was reading a th- uh, an interview with him and he was describing his process in this. And I was reading along. He's like, oh, this is the verbal equivalent of Jackie Chan. Which is, stick with me here for a second, uh, you have to know, like, you have to know how to create a presence on screen, how to really perfectly time uh, the rhythm of everything, the meter, the meaning behind every little movement, and that's the only way you can prove that you're bumbling and doing it wrong, because otherwise, without that perfection applied to it... It's just going to be bad and not entertaining. This is bad and entertaining. It's this. Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. I'm seeing this where it's like you, you're the levels are like, okay, not very good. Really good. Amazing. And then you can kind of move beyond that into like fucking it up on purpose, but knowing what it is about good performance that makes a bad performance compelling like yeah. what items you have to change or adjust or like fuck up on yeah that it's still fun to watch exactly yeah nice feels very very but <laughs> that that like yeah felt the same to me he was talking about how like yeah if you you could put any bad actor into shakespeare and everyone will just fall asleep and not be interested it's but, not entertaining yeah, yeah. So that's the yeah okay yeah <laughs> And then if you, the Jackie Chan equivalent is if you put a foot wrong by accident, <laughs> you're gonna you break your die. nose. Your head comes oh, off. Oh, if you're lucky, yeah. <laughs> your spine comes clean out of your body. That's what happens. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I also didn't know. Like, I don't know my 1970s UK cinema for the most part. But all the, um, I guess it's not even cinema. All the critics in this are uh, huge. 
famous uh, Shakespearean stage actors. Oh, wonderful. I yeah. thought you were going to say they were like either real critics or based on real critics. <laughs> <laughs> but they're all stage actors, which is why you That's get perfect. this like yeah. kind of acting through really it. Really, not over the, yeah, no, not over the top is not the right word, but like committed to the point of insanity. Yeah, where they do seem like caricatures. Yeah. Who I think like Ian Hendry and Diana Rigg are the only ones that aren't stage people. Yeah, and I could be wrong in that even, but they have oh, the most did. subdued performances. Yes. Yeah. Well, you need you need a straight man, right? Yeah. yeah and I mean, true. this movie is such that like the straight man character is wearing a wig and sunglasses <laughs> and a fake mustache at all times. Like yep. it's bonkers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I totally get. It. This is such. It. This could be such a shitty insular. Not funny unless you're in the group movie yes. because it's just about it's not about Shakespeare but it's about the business of Shakespeare and the culture and the yeah, yeah. and like intertwined with these like very British attitudes and whatever mm-hmm. and it just could be so boring and like yeah okay I get it you have your own little world or whatever but it's so engaging yeah. I love it it's okay oh <laughs> now I'm a fan of all of them yeah they're all in their own way wonderful yes uh, <laughs> this is originally titled Much Ado About Murder which is <laughs> Real first draft thinking, I think. Theater of Blood's great. Theater of Blood is good, but we could have had much ado about more. You like that one more? I do like okay. that one more. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> uh, I wanted to also share just some, some Vincent Price quotes here. Oh, please. Um, so you've got, uh, this is just about his career in general. Um, quote, I don't play monsters. I play men besieged by fate and out for revenge. Ooh. <laughs> Which, like, yeah, yeah you did right. like a couple hundred movies of those. Yeah. Um, <laughs> All your life. <laughs> this this one I love because I can like picture his face. Quote, I sometimes feel that I'm impersonating the dark unconscious of the whole human race. I know this sounds sick, but I love it. <laughs> Vincent, calm down. <laughs> or bring it up a little. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you stop living in the middle area. See, this is, yeah, he's no, I don't think he would have enjoyed playing like leading men the whole, no, fuck that noise. <laughs> yeah, so what was your favorite like... Disguise or accent he's trying out. <laughs> I mean, I there's there's nothing that can top ripping off a fake mustache to reveal your own mustache. It's an amazing moment. You yeah. can't you can't beat that. Um But I I just really love it's not even a disguise, it is just his going to the awards outfit where the he's cape. all black. He's got a red silk lined cape that's also black in this like very tall collar like he looks like a dracula oh yeah huge yeah. dracula energy i i love that outfit that's just such a mm. <laughs> yeah it's classic it's timeless it is timeless yeah yeah in, in that there was no time uh where that would look normal <laughs> <laughs> it has no position in time yeah. what about you i'm going with the absurd disco outfit he's in he's oh got my god that's right the when he's the huge hairdresser afro. yeah <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. And he uses homophobia against the police. <laughs> we stand, <laughs> I believe, is that yeah, yeah. He 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 knows he the electrocutes way to... a woman, but by this time there's like three of them left. Two or three of them left. Yeah, I think she's the third, the last. Yeah. yeah. So every critic has a police guarding them. Yeah. Has a police. Uh, <laughs> has of, one police. Oh my god! I can't fucking use the English language. Has a police person guarding them, mm. and he manages to remove the subject from her guard by posing as like a gay hairdresser and he or steps an between them and he goes like Mm-mm, i like he says something about uniform and yeah, just like, tasty who's this piece of and uniform the policeman's just like i'll wait uh, upstairs i'm gonna be somewhere else yeah so he manages to like the one fucking job that this policeman has he can't do because he's like ew a gay person checkmate yeah love to see it <laughs> and so he just electrocutes this woman in full view <laughs> of her police guard which I just, you gotta feel good oh, about yeah. that. It's a good yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I really, the one that always also comes to mind for me in, in terms of disguises is when they set up a whole, this must be a British show that was on at the time where it's like, oh, what's yeah. in your kitchen or whatever? What's what's on your table? I forget what the name of it is called, but it's like a reality what's, show. Maybe? Uh, he calls it, what's your dish? This yeah, is your dish. This is your dish, right? Yeah. And it's, so he gets a, he pretends to be a TV chef mm. where they go into this guy's house. This is the um, Titus Andronicus murders. Yeah. Um, 
he pretends to be a chef. And, and they've got just like, it's like if you did a cartoon, like all the chefs in Ratatouille, <laughs> he dresses like that yes. where the hat is three feet tall. And, and have... he's already very tall. Like his hat is brushing the ceiling <laughs> at all times. I remember that one very clearly That's because right. they've got Diana Rigg as the stage manager, but then also <laughs> dressed up as a chef. Yeah, and the, that one I love too for like, that feels like the... the um the the sheen is coming off where like the meth drinkers are there supposed to be the camera crew and they're like yeah. they're barely in a disguise and like the camera that they're they have not... is a cardboard box yeah 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 it's just like a cardboard box with a toilet paper roll <laughs> taped to the front and they're also swilling meth and, and they're not pointing it at anything the place. <laughs> like if you were at all paying attention uh, yeah yeah I like that one a lot that's great what's your favorite murder oh that's the big question I guess mm-hmm. yeah. Hmm. Do you have one off the good? I'm. I'm not sure that I do uh, right away. I like, mean, I feel like the most, the most grisly one, the one that makes me go like, is the one where he force feeds the the doggies. Yeah, because that, that's that's grim on several levels. <laughs> yeah, like he murders these dogs, bakes them into two pies, and like you don't, you know, you don't know it's a dog or whatever. But then he's he presents him the two dogs' heads yeah. on a couple of pies. Yeah, he says, "Oh, there was too much for one pie, yes, so that's we have right. two. And then he gets out a big two. What do you call the? I don't actually know what you call it, like a yeah. funnel, but a funnel. Yeah, and he just and he just like stuffs it in his mouth, and he pushes like crams pie into it until this guy is dead. Like yeah. just real David Fincher nonsense. Yeah, going on. That's definitely the, the grimmest one, I think. I so it, it's either it's a tie for me between. I really do like the Ides of March one off the top. That mm. one feels like as you learn, like oh, okay, these homeless people were here as part of the ploy. Oh, yes. the police will step in. Oh, the police are part of the ploy too. Oh, there's a big ploy to kill people. Like that's so true. <laughs> that's such a good setup for like oh shit, there was a conspiracy yeah. the whole time. Yeah, yeah, that's a good reveal. I like that. I like and, they started with that one. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like that's one of the more accessible ones, too, where, like, totally. I don't know tons about Shakespeare. Like, I know probably half the stuff in, uh, half sure. of the plays in this I've seen, and I yeah. knew, like, the Pound of Flesh, like, all that stuff. Yeah. But Ides of March is just, like, everybody knows what the Ides of March yes. are. Yes. Yeah. yeah, you're going to get stabbed in the back by yeah. a bunch of conspirators. Beware them and such. Yes. Um, I also like that one because the guy goes there because he's he's not only on the critics board, he's, uh, like, a like a real estate, he's on one of these councils that London has. To, yeah. He's on a, He's a real estate guy, and they get a call about, like, there's homeless people in the apartment. No one is living there. Let the homeless people yeah. live there. Jesus Christ. But he goes to like roast them. And like, yes, you deserved that murder. Yeah. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Yeah. Uh, but I also, I really love the fencing scene. It is so <laughs> silly. Like they oh, are both. so silly. Like it just feels like the, they got a gymnasium for the day, yeah, and they're like, we have to exploit what everything can we do here. In here. Yeah. <laughs> so when when I tell you that they end up fencing while jumping on trampolines and like meeting each other in the air halfway, <laughs> you will understand that this is just a normal part of this. Movie. Yeah, they're on the balance beam. They're jumping all over the bleachers. Yeah, it's, it's great. It's so good. I love it. It's so much fun. That's this a is, that's a fun one. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, it doesn't end up in a murder, but I mean, no, it's a good time. It's yeah. very yeah. Like, there's basically Pirates of the Caribbean music happening <laughs> while, you know? It's yeah. like that kind of... Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Anything to add in there, or did I steal your answers? No, I mean, I I, I like... As a former Shakespeare, Shakespeare Company yeah. person, I do really like the Merchant of Venice one, mm. purely because the, the just the idea, just hinting that you might change the text <laughs> is like setting off a nuclear bomb. <laughs> for board members and for the public and you're gonna get letters about it so i really like that as the like oh you don't like it i'm going to rip your heart out and it's that very funny like oh this is audience participation like that's how they get him to the the onto the stage and to play the part yeah that's so funny (laughs) and that was like ooh, like experimental you're gonna be part of the play and that was in the 70s and we've gone through that to be like okay now everybody hates that and then (laughs) they went back to regular plays and they like i feel like we've gone through two full cycles of that yeah now it has to be like so immersive that you think you're gonna die for real yeah what's the thing in new york sleep no more yeah that's yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> so there's that, and we'll circle back on that, I'm sure, <laughs> once someone punches a cast member by accident or whatever, but yeah, yeah, yeah. so I like that one. Sweet, sweet, yeah. sweet, sweet. What are your uh, other thoughts on that, rounding out our discussion on Theater of Blood? What's your I big just, takeaway? I just, I, the takeaway is just, like, you could not, like, this movie 
it takes about two minutes for them to just stomp on the gas and not take their foot off it for the it's, whole movie. Yeah, it really, like, you. I feel like the common complaint with any movie before, like, 1990 is like, oh, it's so slow. Oh, but, there's this, no opinion more wrong. Yeah, this it's like an hour 45, and it just, like, clips along great because you're, you're looking forward to the next murder or yeah. you see the next Each murder kind of links into the... Yeah. And you know what I do like about this is there's a police... A detective who does it, who's not an idiot. Yeah. Like he grasps what's going on and he recognizes that the murders are coming from this final season of Edward Lionheart's like yeah. Shakespeare program. Yeah. So there, there is an element of like, oh, is he going to get caught? Like he's yeah. not just rampaging. They are like, they understand what's happening. They just can't stop it. And he feels like his attitude throughout feels very like, I don't care if I get caught. That's true. I've <laughs> died once already. What the fuck do I care? Yeah. 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 So it just like any chance it gets to be extra, it absolutely takes it. And then mm. it piles a little bit on top. Oh, I just, I'm sorry. I have no, to, dude. the one, the one where you're introduced to Diana Rigg, but as Edwina, like not in character like as right. they go up to her and they're like oh my god that that's edward lionheart's daughter at the graveyard at the graveyard yeah. at the very first murder the the funeral for that guy <laughs> they've they've replaced like this is a real what do you call it like uh, a grave marker yeah where there's the house big... oh mausoleum <laughs> yeah, yeah mausoleum and there's a statue outside of like an angel crying or whatever and there's two people there's like an angel you know cuddle cuddling a, a person presumably who's ever buried in there, but they replaced the statue's faces with like masks of <laughs> Diana Rigg and of Vincent Price. Yeah. So that's the kind of movie you're dealing with where it's just like, it's funny, but it's also so engaging. Like you, you, yeah, just, it's just a joy to watch. Adding even more to that. So it's, it's, there's an adult reading a book to a child, to the child. That's what it is. Yeah. It's not an angel. Yeah, and yeah. in the actual statue, the book is the Bible. And yeah. in the movie, they've replaced the book with the plays of Shakespeare. <laughs> of course they have. This is what I mean. Like, you could have easily just said, I don't care about the statue. Yeah. No, no. Like, We're going to make this just the sickest, weirdest thing we can. The joke would have been that his name is Edward, Lion. name, 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 Lionheart. Yeah. Like, that it's just this big, yeah. enormous, like, that would be the joke. But also, their faces are on the statue. Also, she's reading her Shakespeare. Like, yeah. it's just... <laughs> It's very good. Like it just, it just, it's got this artifice to it that just makes it fun. Like you can tell people are having fun creating this world. And they're you know? not winking about it. No, they're just like, you know, it'd be cool. Yeah. And that's like what that, that decision. Would yeah. it be cool? Fucking do it. Like I, this is our second time watching it. And I liked it so much more this time because oh, I know enough of what's going on that you can just be looking for the little Easter eggs like that. It's yeah. just, it's very cute yeah. and fun. And if you do like, yeah, I would enjoy watching this for the first time again to be like, okay, what murders do we think are coming up? Because I also like that there's, you know, Shakespeare is fucked up and it's the the joke in Shakespeare circles is like, it's so, there's so, it's so full of fart jokes and penis jokes and like absolutely blood curdling murders yeah. like shit that you could you can barely show now on yeah, tv but like most of it happens off stage right it's described yes, by like joke, a yeah. messenger or yeah whatever. it's being like just imagine the most fucked up thing you could see and in this movie they get to film it they get to do it so they just get to like go balls to the yeah. wall about it that's what i love about this movie that's great yeah god we just watch it. Let's watch it again. Let's just watch it right now. You're all going to sit with us while we watch this. Yeah. Uh, anyway, what about great. you? Uh, <laughs> well, I'm not going to like, I am so tempted to do this, but I'm not going to do a like Edward Lionheart was 100% right. Um, <laughs> but I do like all of his motivation and everything is so, 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 so uh, you can be so sympathetic towards. Yes. Like crystal clear. Yeah. You get it. Those of us that have been in creative fields know the pain of trying your, like, your tiny little heart out only to have it, somebody just, like, cast off your stuff like, no, that wasn't very good. You're like, I but I worked like for months and... Uh. I literally put my whole self on the yeah. line, like, my sense of identity is yeah. tied to this. Which, I mean, we all know that's not healthy, but it's also what we do. Uh, <laughs> but when you combine that with um, Lionheart's, uh, like, I know better than everyone attitude and... You oh, know, his ego is off the fucking charts. So, so huge. Yeah. Uh, up until you get to that ego, 
very easy to like that's such a universal thing so like totally and i get the feeling of i need to do something about it and like he settles on murder but uh yeah that thing of like no 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 i need to explain to them why they were wrong yeah. about me yeah um the thing that like this this is purely this isn't a watching thing this was we watched it and then i did read up stuff about it this was lost on me uh I didn't, like, I can't remember the first time I saw a thing from the UK. I probably, like, it's probably, like, a year ago. No, it's probably, no, like, <laughs> I was probably, like, a full adult. Sure. So, in the aughts, in the 2000s. So, like, okay. nothing, I, this is, like, a wholly different world to me. But part of the director's intent with all of this is that Lionheart is supposed to be a voice of the people against the elite, like, tastemakers. Sure. So, part of the reason that, not you're supposed to read into it, but that Hickox very much wanted people to read into mm -hmm. was that part of the reason they hate Lionheart is because he makes work accessible and yeah. that's not allowed. <laughs> um, also a classic Shakespeare oh, world thing. Yes. Very, and that's why it's uh, all very Shakespeare and nothing else is that like, right. that's the prime example that you can do with it. Yep. That's why a lot of the costuming is like, there's no official word on this, but like in my reading, there's a lot of people who read in like, oh, it's very queer coded what his costuming is like. Like it's these huge flamboyant, colorful. Sure. He's wearing makeup in every scene. Very Bar pronounced none. makeup. Yeah. 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 Um, especially one of, one of the early murders. He's like very, very yes. eye makeup. Yeah. When yeah. he's doing, um, is it Troilus and Cressida? With Hector. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's, oh, we need to keep the institution intact and keep people who aren't Keep rich white people. Keep outside influences out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even so, though that's never been the purpose of I've been thinking about that a lot afterwards and it mm. does really feel like, oh yeah, that'll be the next watch. I'll just be focusing on like, what are the, the what are the buzzwords we got here? If, if they drop a you people or those people anywhere. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually that feel, I feel like when they, I also wasn't paying attention to this close mm. enough, but when they explain to him why they picked this other guy over over him, I wonder if there's something in there about, like, well, he's going to carry on the institution better than right. you are. Like, they do have a little bit of that, like, well, he he aligns better with our values. The implication is that, like, the critics don't even think that the person who won the Best Actor Award is that good. They Yeah, it, is. it kind of is, isn't it? It's that he's just safe. That's yes, the, the that thing, he yeah. was very like digestible and easy to easy to rubber stamp as like yes the future of Shakespeare yeah 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 where we upholding just status quo yeah. away yeah that's true <laughs> yeah they didn't they weren't excited about him no it's just like no we have to pick this guy yeah. yeah. Because, yeah, that's the only thing uh, Lionheart is, like, shouting at them about. Like, he's a terrible actor. Like, he just mutters through his lines and he barely understands what he's saying. Nobody fights him on it. They're just like, yeah, but you're not good. And it's just like, yeah, but you clearly don't really care about this other kid. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. Oh. So I found that to be very interesting. So, so many neat layers to this movie. Yeah. At the core here, I think the real horror is the institutions and the status quo. Uh, ooh. ooh. <laughs> Halloween. Uh, yeah. Nice. So that's what I think. So what I also think is that it's time for us to move on to uh, program this in a double bill with a marquee title if we thought of one, which I came prepared this week. So oh, I no. guess in your face is what I'm <laughs> I guess suck it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, let's uh, double bill this up. All right. What you got? Well... I thought of one that I, I will say up front is not precisely what you would, like, taken on its own, I wouldn't be like, this is the arty film. No, but justifying but, it is uh, yeah. what we're here for today. <laughs> yes. Comparatively, I think so. Yeah. Because of the thing it's grounded in. Okay. Um, so the the movies that I picked, are, or the movie that I picked, plus this one, <laughs> plus Theater of Blood, are both, the, the reason I picked it originally was because it's, about just going full speed into an aesthetic or like a like an experience and not being like okay but does this make sense per se you know it all it's fine it all hangs together fine but it's about just like what's the wildest choice we could make Ooh. choose that Ooh. about like how they put the movie together okay. and how it comes across and just like very 
you will never forget watching either of these movies. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like whatever, <laughs> whatever the craziest choices, they choose that every time. Mm. Um, and then I was like, oh, and they're also about the same thing. And they're made in the same year, oh. which is oh. funny to me. I didn't realize. So the movie that I've picked is Lady Snowblood from mm. 1973, mm. Um, which is a movie about someone being left for dead and then taking their revenge on the people one by one who wronged them <laughs> and uh strong uh, parental ties yes <laughs> strong parental ties like unhealthy parental child yeah. relationships a lot of obsession single-mindedness yes yep. a lot of like this this is my only calling in life mm. now um, so Lady Snowblood, in case you're not familiar, is directed by Toshio Fujita, and it stars Meiko Kaji, who is amazing. So good. She's so fucking good at yeah. this. Um, she's the the daughter. So it's um, the movie itself, I think, is based on a manga. That sounds right. I think. Um, I feel like I knew oh, this. Oh, no, it is. Point. It is. It yeah. is. Okay. Um, <laughs> so it's, it, the movie starts with a woman who, like... Her family was brutalized and she was thrown in jail. So she gets pregnant on purpose in jail to produce a child who will take vengeance. Like, she knows she's done. Yeah. She's going to die in jail. Yeah. She produces a child who, like, she then passes on the vengeance, you know, mm -hmm. to her. And then the daughter grows up to just be, like, an instrument of killing. Yep. Um, and this is, you know, this is the, um, um, this is what Quentin Tarantino took to make Kill Bill. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they're both about like, and Lady Snowblood is bananas because it's about a woman who like, it, it sounds very serious. And yeah. that's kind of the reason I picked it as the arty one is it is based in a more serious, like almost it's at this period in Japanese history where like, there's almost a culling. It was just like, yes, if you're walking from town to town, you may get assaulted and murdered. Like yep. it's, you and Probably not even worse than 50-50 odds. Yeah, the real mob um, mentality of, of like, oh, there's somebody there. They might be rich. Get them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a lot of, like, Lady Snowblood is also just, like, extremely stylized. Wherever you could make an insane decision, they do. Yeah. Like, her weapon is that she has a katana hidden in the... the umbrella sword. Hilda umbrella, yeah. yeah. And halfway through, it turns out that... Like, the framework of the movie is that it's moving chapter by chapter. Again, yep. this is where Quentin Tarantino got this thing yep. that he does. And so it's, you know, one by one, moving through the plays, moving <laughs> through the chapters. And it turns out halfway through that the chapters are an actual, like, someone who learns about Lady Snowblood is serializing her story and mm. is writing about it for... The common people and it's so gruesome and like they're <laughs> distributing these these stories that are insanely gruesome like a woman hangs herself and then lady snowblood also cuts her in half yeah it's just it's a <laughs> lot so there are these all all these like very gruesome deaths on screen and they just do not let off the gas at all and also you can just read about these stories whenever you want like shakespeare yeah. is so violent and bloody and you can just read about it it's just out there yeah it's like, so unnecessarily violent like there's a totally so many times it's like we get the point jesus <laughs> good god there's a lot of blood spray and yeah. you know you can see where tarantino got all of his stuff yeah. from everything yeah, yeah. That that the the one hanging where she chops her in half also is so oh. so over the top and so unnecessary. Yeah, but. which like all all Shakespeare deaths are just like oh my god we get it. <laughs> it's the Simpsons like stop stop he's already dead. He's already dead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So these movies are both like one is the vaguely more arty thing of like yes this was based in a, a reality like a very gruesome reality mm. in social structure in this class idea of like peasants have no power mm. how are you going to take back your power you just do the only thing that is in your power to do yeah is like produce a child and give it a purpose yeah you know make it a killing machine yeah and <laughs> and as edward comes back from the dead like the only the only thing he can do is act so he's gonna act his way through some murders <laughs> and it turned out to be about uh, murders and vengeance in chronological order so yeah. there you go and family and family mm -hmm. terrible terrible, terrible. family <laughs> So that's mine. And I did not come up with a double bill for it. So I'm going to just say Snowfall of Blood. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Bloody it's not, not thematically appropriate at all. I don't tell you what it would. 
It's a mystery, Double Bill. <laughs> Shut up! I'm not yeah. saying... <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> I'll come up with one in advance. Don't worry. Once. You don't gotta. It's yeah. just, just a fun addition if you got one. Sure. Yeah. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Over to you. Uh, so... For me, I also picked a movie from the island of Japan. Oh. Uh, for me, for this story about vengeance grounded in Shakespeare uh, and the lengths we will go where it could potentially destroy the self and it's up against the institutions that we create and we all just kind of go along with, I am choosing to pair with 1960s The Bad Sleepwell from yes. Mr. Kurosawa. Goddamn. Yep. I try not to bring up Kurosawa all the time. <laughs> But here we are. It's hard now because we have two Kurosawas. <laughs> That's right. In the mix. This is not Kiyoshi. This is Akira. This is the other other Kurosawa. <laughs> yeah. So one thing that drew me to this is that like the core of these movies are both based around the suicide of a father. That's oh, like you're right. forced upon by capitalism and corruption. Like the institutions force these suicides on those who are at fault or in the vernacular of each institution who didn't do their job good like yes didn't uphold the the image of, yeah. of the job yeah so the bad sleep well is a like it's a, a office revenge drama yeah thing which is a lot more dramatic <laughs> in japanese society than yes. it would be here but the core idea of it is that like there's this company that's being investigated for corruption and they keep pinning the blame on underlings not mm -hmm. even underlings like fifth from the top kind of people yeah, like semi-middle management who are then being told in order to keep the the everything going we can't have you actually investigated so just admit to it and then kill, kill yourself throw yourself out a window throw yourself in a volcano is one of them yeah, that's a really over the yeah. top one yeah which looks fantastic yeah. but uh yeah. you've at the core of uh bad sleep well you've got toshiro mafune as uh his character is nishi who is out for the revenge after the suicide of his father. So Nishi in my little mapping is both uh, Diana Rigg and Vincent Price. Sure. Uh, but you uh, get a different version of Price's psychosis here where we, like, you agree with Nishi. These people are not good. They are bad. Yeah, Just, it's, it's pretty clear that yeah. they're doing bad things. He starts out as that, like, mindless avatar of vengeance who is, like, he himself a psychopath. He marries into the family. Oh, yeah. His wife is has a physical disability, just like a very small one. She has a limp. It's like, yeah. And like her, her leg is like six inches shorter than her right. Oh, right. Something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, where in Japanese society in the 1960s, very much like, well, I am doing you a favor by marrying her. Right. She's no longer kind of like a valuable bride. But he just does it because it gets him a job as the secretary of... Like one of the highest up in uh, in this in this uh, yeah. company, he marries like his target's daughter. Yeah, and you know he's working his vengeance. It gets very spooky, very good. And about the halfway point, he starts to falter because mm. the the toll that it's taking on him as a human being, he's like he legitimately cares for his wife. Yeah. So the way that that gets reflected is that like he can't be near her. Uh, because it hurts him, the guilt hurts him so much, and he can't, like, really move forward in his vengeance plan, because he's like, I'm gonna kill the father of the woman I love. Like, it's yeah. very tied up in all that. So you get to see, in Vincent Price's version, you get to see, like, the full range of that psychosis go, and in Nishi, you get to see the human toll of it, and... He has a conscience. Yes, I guess that's what it comes down to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, in both, everyone winds up, uh, winds up dead, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Ta -da! What you're gonna do? Uh, in case you couldn't tell, that one is Hamlet. <laughs> yes, and that's the extra level there is that they are both grounded in Shakespeare. You got um, it's a very, very, very loose rendition of uh, adaptation of Hamlet. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, put those together and you got a double bill going. I really like that as well for like the you know in the first half when he's doing his spooky murders mm. and no one can tell who it is. <laughs> There's so much setup involved. Like one of them so involves melodramatic. a cake with one red rose placed at a particular spot that indicates, like, I know you killed my father. Like, yeah, or my I know father you was forced guy. to jump from this window. Yeah, so they create a replica. She creates a replica of this cake of um the building as, as a, a cake, cake <laughs> and places one red rose at the building they forced his at the window. They forced his father to jump. Out and of. it's at Nishi and his wife's wedding. It's oh, it's at, at their, their reception. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So okay, it's right. like 
this hugely charged thing, emotionally charged, and like they yeah. roll out the cake, and the only people who react are like all the people that were involved in the murders. So you get right away, you get your like, oh, these are the players. I get this it. is the very yeah, catch the <laughs> conscience of the king yeah. bit. And I call my. So, uh, I think that you gotta watch Bad Sleep Law first because this is one of those. Sure. It is. It's two and a half hours long. It's so methodically paced. Yes, that it, it is, is correctly paced. It's not like an easy watch. You yeah. have to like really invest in it, and then you can just watch Vincent Price ham it up afterward. Hell yeah! And I'm calling it Bard to the Bone. <laughs> <laughs> I love you thought of that immediately, and then you were like, "You got to write it down." Yep, exactly. Yeah. Yep, you know me very well. Very good. <laughs> I gotta give it up. Yeah. Uh, Nice. Yeah, it yeah. was between that and I was also thinking about throwing in Throne of Blood, the other Kurosawa <laughs> right. Shakespeare play, but that felt too on the nose. So. I feel like that's, yeah. yeah, you're crossing too many streams. I also, it's mostly because every time I think of Theater of Blood, I accidentally call it Throne of Blood, so. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. He sits on a throne at one point. Yeah. He's literally reading Hector Snipes' review off a throne. Yeah. And there's blood in the movie, so I, you can see why I got confused. I'm, I'm sympathetic <laughs> to your weird brain. Yeah, thank yeah. you so much. <laughs> And on that note, I think uh, we're all good to wrap up this here episode. Yeah. Yeah. God, we love these movies. Yeah. Recommend all of these movies. Absolutely. Do yourself a favor. Like, I think that last year, Theater of Blood was our, like, we just threw it on the list to be like, yeah, this seems like a campy time, and it's yeah. become a we favorite. Like price, for yes. Sure. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. rewatchable as hell. As hell. Like, buy it if you, if you have the chance. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that it was like it wasn't like lost, but it's not on any streaming anything I'm aware of. So we all, right. we had to get a physical copy. So yeah, go for it. Beware. Yeah. The scariest thing of all, physical copies. <laughs> uh, you can find us at Garbage Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, we do lots of posts. We will uh, kind of preview the episodes as they're coming up on there too. Uh-huh. Yep. Good time. Uh, Aaron, where can people find? You on the internet. Find me on the internet if they want to. Uh, also on Twitter, I'm at Macklebase, M-A-C-L-E-B-A-S-S. And I am at Dick R. Navis, D-I-C-K-R Navis. Thank uh, you so much. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. I know you look forward to it every, no, every time. <laughs> Please rate and review us on the podcast platform of your choice. We would love more people to find the show. And I hope that you will join us next time for another pile of garbage.